This is Why the Last Man podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about episode five, Why the Last Man, Manhunt. If I can figure out why you survived, and that's a big if, and I can somehow figure out a way to replicate it or replicate you, and again, that's an even bigger if, none of that even begins to scratch the surface of what we have lost, which is not, and I cannot emphasize this enough, men. Not everyone with a Y chromosome is a man. We lost so many people that day. So many brilliant women. And biodiversity. <laughs> because it's not just us. It's monkeys. And giraffes. Dogs. Welcome back, fellow survivors. This is Why the Last Man podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and it's episode five, Manhunt. And that is man with double N, mm -hmm. not one. The Dr. Allison Manhunt. Yes, indeedy mm -hmm. doodly. Uh, I am <laughs> one of your surviving hosts, John. I'm one of your other hosts, Derek. Indeedly doodly, John. Have you got Flanders here I think in the post-apocalypse? Yes, I do. <laughs> I do. Yeah, just us two here today. Uh, Chris hasn't uh, been able to join us for this episode, the fifth episode of uh, Why the Last Man. And I know he's kicking himself because Dr. Allison Mann is the third of our triumvirate of characters that we follow all the way through Why the Last Man in the comic book. So a big character introduction. I think everybody's watched this episode uh, realizes kind of how cool the character is or how interesting, let's say. Definitely. Definitely. And Diana Bang really does. Uh, she just inhabits this character Nails. really Really enjoyed um, her portrayal of yeah. Alison Mann in Boston, which is really, uh, yes, what, what, what's the quote? It has become a terrifying hellscape <laughs> uh, post-apocalypse, yeah. uh, post um, the Y chromosome going uh, belly up. It's weirdly one of the places of the US I've never actually been as Boston. I've seen a lot of the US, but I've never seen Boston. I think um, some friends of mine moved there back in the 90s. And when they moved, they, they were living in Carolina with me when, when I was living there. Carolina is a very different place. It is the US. It's very like an American uh, American city uh, where we were living. Um, and when they moved to Boston, they just said, this feels like uh, Dublin. It feels like Ireland when they moved there, just Ireland with American accents. I kind of went, well, if you're living in a foreign country, why would you move to somewhere that's exactly like where you moved from? So I loved Boston. You've been to Boston. Yes, I have absolutely loved it. Yeah. And all the states north of it, because um, mm -hmm. went on a on a trip uh, up into Vermont uh, and to the Von Trapp Family Lodge, a little <laughs> slice of Austria uh, deep in the heart of the, the the green, woody, forested state that is Vermont. Uh, very strange. That's, Alpine that's cows, right. milkmaids, all the, the hotel staff were, were dressed in all sort of 
Austrian, I guess, farm or, or peasant type clothing. Right. And um, really, really odd. That is very, that is very strange. Yes. But since you've been to Boston, do you think this uh, does a good uh, replication of Boston in here in, in Why the Last Man? Did it feel like there were real landmarks that they were at? Or did you think they were just repainting some buildings in Toronto or in, in Well, there Vancouver was the nod to, to Fenway Park mm-hmm. with the Boston Red Sox, uh, the baseball team. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, th- there was that. I... Can't say I recognised the the stand-in for Harvard um, as such. Um, I mean, kind of did go down to Cambridge uh, whilst I was there in Boston as well to uh, Harvard and MIT, but I... I don't really uh, recall that. I think I think it was more that I went with my my friend to see to the House of Blues for mm. a, a a good old blues shindig Excellent. over breakfast. Excellent. I think it was. Yes, yeah. none of that open here in Why the Last Man because obviously the city's burning. So um, so not really uh, many concerts to go to here in in this version of Boston. Anyway, no. I just I just was wondering. You know, there's this. Odd thing, they had they were filming the show during uh, all the COVID lockdowns. They they were uh, complying to all the regulations around COVID. I know they said there's been there were massive massive difficulties, especially early on when you go back as a production. Um, everybody's a bit more strict, and the rules weren't as defined. They were very specific about you know people not being able to film on screen at the same time or being too close to each other. And then I was looking at this episode, kind of going. Ooh, I wonder, did they use that to their advantage? Did they actually film in the streets of Boston while everybody was in lockdown? You know. Um, but maybe not. Maybe it was a different city. <laughs> I just don't yeah, know. Yeah, or just I've, a set, maybe. Outdoor yeah. set or something I'm like sure that. I'm sure some of our, our American uh, fellow survivors may be able to tell us if it was uh, really Boston or whether it was just a, a soundstage uh, somewhere else. Absolutely. But I think before we get into our spoiler-filled discussion mm-hmm. about episode five of Why the Last Man, just a quick reminder to our fellow survivors, anyone that is new joining us, you can subscribe to the podcast over on tvpodcastindustries.com. Please uh search for us on any good or evil podcast catcher of your choice uh, where you can um, rate us subscribe to us leave a review uh, share the love and of course share the podcast yes, um, for sure absolutely we'd also love to hear your thoughts on any of the shows we're covering we're currently covering uh, Why the Last Man and What If uh, the finale is out next week uh, if you want to send us any thoughts you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or if you're on Facebook you can join us on facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries I put a spoiler post up there every week as the episodes are released so that you can share your thoughts with other fellow like-minded survivors and defenders yes so get those commenting brains those theorizing brains on and send us in your feedback Mm -hmm. derek first up what are some of the episode details for episode five Manhunt. Mm-hmm. This show is based on the comic book series by Brian K. Vaughan and Pia Guerra, as we mentioned each week. Uh, showrunner of the show is Eliza Clark. The episode here was written by Olivia Purnell. Uh, previously, Olivia worked as a staff writer on season two of American Gods. Uh, a really good show to begin with, and unfortunately fell off over time. It's one of my favorite books. Unfortunately, the adaptation just fell off over time. But uh, I know the early seasons were really enjoyable for me to watch. Um, some great work done there uh, on that show. Uh, Olivia's oh, also yeah. written um, some episodes of Isaac Asimov's Foundation on the only streaming service I don't have, which is Apple TV. So I haven't gotten to see it, but I know you're really excited to see Foundation, John. Yeah, I mean, I saw a load of good reviews about and then I more recently I've seen a few kind of middling ones so who knows but uh, I mean it looks spectacular in terms of some of the stills I've seen of it Uh, Mm. so yeah I'd be definitely interested to to see that I mean dare I say it damn these subscription services I mean in the end it's going to be going the same way as you know 
all other stuff where you, you'll need to fork out a ton of money. Um, so if, I think we're subscribed to every single streaming service other than Apple TV, yeah. though. It's the only one we don't have, and that's partly because we don't have any Apple devices, so we don't well, get that, that true. notification every day going, you get this for free with your subscription or whatever it is. So, uh, so I always forget there is an Apple TV streaming service, to be completely honest. Yeah, no, I um, do as well. Um, and I guess they have oodles of money uh, to, yes, to throw at uh, the TV. Yes, they do. Um, I wish I could throw money at the TV, but maybe... Maybe I will uh, after uh, tonight's lotto. Oh, yeah, the, the, uh, the national lottery jackpot is 19 million <laughs> in Ireland, which is the biggest uh, jackpot ever. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, ticket bought at all for that. Uh, let's get back to the show, though. Uh, the episode was directed by Marzi Alamos, uh, who directed episodes of Shadow and Bone on Netflix, a show that you really liked oh, this year. I loved John, it, as well. yeah, yeah. Really enjoyed yeah. Um, that series, that se- first series. Uh, I'm so pleased that they're getting a, a second season mm-hmm. uh, of that show. Yeah, I just yeah. thought it was really interesting. I, I hadn't read anything about it. Yeah. So I didn't know anything about it. And I, I, I love fantasy yeah. worlds. Uh, I am absolutely gagging for um, The Wheel of Time. Oh, yes. So Which we'll be covering here on TV Podcast. We will, indeed. In November, and we'll be, we'll be covering it here. But as usual with the Netflix shows, when they drop the entire series in one day, it's something that we, we tend to avoid because we like having the weekly fun of talking about shows like Wheel of Time when it comes out uh, on Amazon Prime uh, later this year. But uh, Marzi Alamos uh, did do a couple of episodes of that show, but we've spoken about her a fair few times on this show. Um, certainly right did. back in our days of the Defenders TV podcast, we spoke about her. She directed uh, one episode of Iron Fist and two episodes of Jessica Jones as well, uh, one of our favorite shows from the Marvel Netflix era. Yes, most definitely. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, great. great getting Marzi Alamos uh, on board here. Yeah. Um, a little bit of history with Defenders podcast. Absolutely. It's just, it's just always fun seeing... Uh, catching up with directors that have directed yeah, shows that you've, that you've done and that you've liked in the past. Uh, but John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for episode five of Why the Last Man, Manhunt? Sure. Agent 355 and Yorick have arrived in Boston to locate expert geneticist Dr. Allison Mann. But there's a problem. Boston is a battlefield. The National Guard is trying to protect Harvard from dissidents who don't trust the government and believe they are hiding something from them. Little do they know, they've already encountered the secret. Back in Washington, President Brown is also hiding Yorick's existence from the world, as reports come back of the crash-stolen helicopters that were carrying her son. But she has another problem, as the original first in line to the presidency, Regina Oliver, is returning to the US, and she wants her job, and has the support of the president's daughter, Kimberly Cunningham. As Kimberly learns that the president's aide, Christine, is pregnant, Yorick and 355 navigate their way through the barricades and find Dr. Mann in hiding. They try to convince her to return to them to Washington, but Allison is having none of it. Not only does she not trust the government, her research at Harvard has been destroyed. So if Dr. Mann has any chance of resolving the world's problems, she needs to retrieve her backup research in San Francisco. While Dr. Mann and Yorick get to know each other, 355 takes off, Under the cover of contacting the president, she finds another agent at a safe house and learns that her former recruiter is also missing. Mm -hmm. With a new mission and destination in mind, Yorick, Ampersand, 355 and Dr. Allison Mann set off for San Francisco, looking for the reason why Anne, his pet, were the only survivors. 
Oh, we're in full comic book territory in this episode. We certainly are. We, this, this is the a, road trip begins yeah. uh, for sure. This is absolutely the first 20 or so uh, issues, or maybe even more, uh, where we have these four characters together, Yarek Ampersand, 355, and, and Dr. Allison Mann. So uh, I, I liked that they took a bit of time here to kind of set them all up and, and put them at odds with each other and have a little fighting uh, with each other, you know, and, and kind of setting up each of the characters uh, and their interactions with each other. Even, even Ampersand gets a few moments of... Uh, of fun uh, when uh, Dr. Van's trying to, you know, investigate what he is and, and looking at him and, and Yark's kind of going, look, he, he takes a little time to warm up to new people. Watch out, he might lose a hand, basically. <laughs> yeah, uh, which I thought was a, a fun little moment. Uh, but yes, um, an interesting episode overall. It is only the two of us this time, so we're only going to talk about our our two big moments, but we should be able to cover off the whole episode. I think so. Yeah. I, I think so for sure. I mean, it is quite a, a simple episode. Yep. It is... Yorick 355, um, meeting Dr. Man, really. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few side elements from that. Mm-hmm. And then it's really back at the Pentagon yeah. uh, with President Jennifer Brown uh, and uh, everything going on there as well. And I know Chris isn't here this week, but I'm really tempted to sing Boston's a Battlefield like uh, like Love is a Battlefield, <laughs> <laughs> the 80s song. But I'm not going to do it. I promise. I promise. But let us get into our <laughs> top moments of the episode. Uh-huh. Yes, let's stop. I think you should go first, I think. Yes. Well, mine is very simple, but encompasses a lot. It <laughs> is Yorick and 355 meeting Dr. Man. Um, I mean, first off, I just thought it was great getting Dr. Man on screen. Yep. Um, I absolutely love how Diana Bang um, just makes Dr. Man... There's a kookiness to her. Mm-hmm. There is that kind of researcher type person who's so deep in her work. You know, she all this information that she's sort of giving over to Yorick and the fact that actually she doesn't really like teaching. She would prefer to be doing research. Absolutely. Uh, but she needs to do this because otherwise she would have to be recruited by the government yep. or some massive a pharmaceutical monolith as she describes this mm-hmm. and and she doesn't want that so she yeah. sort of you know she puts up with teaching really so that she can actually have an independence or in in her work yeah. and, and i love that that's in reaction to yarek trying to reach out an olive branch to kind of get some ground there like he's trying to make a friendship here with her definitely. you know uh, we, we hear at the beginning of the episode yarek kind of going oh god she's going to be talking about the fact that she's a doctor all the time and the fact that she doesn't have a television i bet <laughs> she's going to make a big point of this so he's instantly wants to hate this person that he's going to be spending time with because she's going to be testing on him uh, all the time and then he tries to reach out an olive branch to her slapped away immediately the olive branch being Oh, you, you must like teaching. Uh, my my girlfriend's a teacher, so he can talk about the girlfriend that he doesn't really have at all, anyway. But um, but I love that she just bats it back at him. Absolutely, and her line about you know um, I'm not in this to save men. That's the furthest thing from my mind. There's so many other things that need to be saved in this world by the by the research I'm able to conduct now on you. Yeah, and definitely. But I also when when that falls flat, I love the fact that he goes to the place um, which gets just a really great kind of sort of deadpan look from Dr. Man um, when he says, oh, I'm also a teacher. And she's kind of like, <laughs> what? A te- I mean, it's like, I teach magic. Yep. Um, you know, I teach card tricks and escapology and sleight of hand. And just the look is absolutely priceless mm-hmm. from Alison Mann. I Pure thought it was re- disdain, yeah. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like it's directly from Pia Guerra's drawing, drawings of man's <laughs> character, the deadpan, deadpan look of, you are an idiot, aren't it's you? It's just really, really good. Yeah. But I, 
But let's just pull pull this back because mm-hmm. the other thing I really like about Alison Mann is is her own agency. The idea that she is trying to keep herself independent uh, in some respect of her thoughts. I, the that initial encounter um of them is that she stabs Yorick. Uh, she doesn't yep. know that it's a man um and despite that, you know, as soon as she notices um it's it's you know, you can see the there's a palpable excitement as the researcher that there's a man, and certainly when she realizes that Ampersand is Absolutely. also male, and <laughs> you on your own are useless. You and him together, now that's something I can work with. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I also love her sort of response and and how she interacts with 355, mm. who's, who is very, you know, she she's a spy. She's she's army trained. It's about following orders and duty. But Allison here is, you know. 355 is saying the the president has chosen you you must come back to washington and it, it's like well no um first of all she doesn't seem to really like this government and uh-huh. she's not entirely a fan of jennifer brown mm-hmm. the most um, vanilla option we could have had <laughs> exactly <laughs> and i i love that actually yorick doesn't let it slip that she's his mom until mm-hmm. right at the end, just before they are about to head That's off right. to San Francisco. As the two of them are drunk. Yeah. You probably should know that President Brown's actually my mom. Yeah. But I, I like how it's like, no, we have to go to San Francisco because mm-hmm. that's where my research is. I, I, I spent 15 years on this. I need to, to, to go to that backup because yep. here it's been destroyed because we hear that the dissidents that are at a standoff with the National Guard in Boston and why it is such a terrifying hellscape <laughs> and have captured the science building where all her work is. Mm-hmm. And so I, I like that she, she really is like, no, I, I don't care whether the president is ordering me a, at all. And also just with the gun pointed at her uh-huh. uh, by... Um, 355 um, and just she coolly just pushes the barrel away from her face saying can you point that somewhere else please so I I love this sense of her being um, this this strong woman with a lot of agency uh, but she's you know, she's to the point direct, but I, she's just great. Yeah. Um, I I really enjoyed seeing this character Absolutely. and meeting Yorick as well. I, I think the dynamic there between the two of them uh, is, is, is so good. I mean, just yeah. even them getting to know one another over playing snooker um, and obviously lubricated by the, the Chardonnay mm-hmm. uh, as well. And her going on about all the different possible variations uh, of the genetics of of men and women and correcting Yorick when he says you said men don't exist and she mm-hmm. said no I didn't I said that there are multiple variations of what an infinite that can happen mm-hmm. so I uh, really love that sense yeah. of them I guess bonding over a nice cool glass of Chardonnay yeah. uh, whilst talking science and playing pool absolutely absolutely I, lo- I love that Yorick's interested I love that he's you know he's he's trying to get the full details from her about what's what, what's her explanations of what's going on and that's really interesting and it's really important. We're five episodes into the show, and it's the simple explanation that that people used to describe this book is, and as we did, I think, uh, when we were talking about it on What If, we kind of went, you know, what if every man in the world dies? That's the that's the simple um, premise behind the show. But I love that this is being brought out more with Dr. Alison Mann, and she's the right person to do it as well, obviously being a, a geneticist. Um, her specifically going, it's not just the fact that 
every person with a Y chromosome died that day. There's loads of people that didn't know they had a Y, y chromosome that died that day. Loads of people were lost. But, but you're forgetting about the biodiversity within the world. You're forgetting about the fact that, you know, um, every every type of animal has also lost the male part of that, which yeah. means the food supply will run out or the meat supply will run out at some point because they won't be able to sustain life. Um, yeah. I, there's, I, there's loads of loads of animals, dogs and cats, you know, pets that we've had for years. They're all going to die out over time as well. You know, um, this is a massively important uh, impact that's happened on the world. It's not just that women have risen up, as we've mentioned before. It's not just that women have risen up and taken over the world, which is a completely different story. This is a story where the world has lost a huge amount in this one yeah. moment, effectively. So she is, that's what she's terrified about. And that's what she wants to use her skills and abilities for. Well, and that's it. It was really nice when, you know, because she is a, um, she's a gay woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like the fact that, you know, we, that 355 and Yorick, you know, went to their, um, went to her apartment and, you know, began to make assumptions about her. Yorick was, Along the lines of there is no TV here, you know this isn't good. <laughs> yep. Um, but it was also both of them seeing a a cot in in the apartment and um, believing that she had a, a child, mm-hmm. and um, but she doesn't, and um, she mm-hmm. is a, a lesbian, and I I really sort of like the fact that that's where this discussion of you know trying to sort of widen Yorick's mind that it it wasn't just human men that died as you say it was the other species but she also said you know we lost so many good people she exactly. kind of just neutralized the that gender element yeah. um, and talking about the different variations were as you say people who actually would have thought they were women mm-hmm. died because they they had the Y chromosome exactly uh, from the different genetic variations that she discusses. So I thought that was really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. But I just I love the way, as you say, it just broadened uh, all all of that out yeah. um, a, a, as well. There, uh, you know, I liked her sort of kind of dissing Yorick's mum really <laughs> oh, all, yeah. all the way through this. You know, I don't think she has much love for these dissidents, um, but she's also not entirely critical of them and you know she makes well, she them... hasn't joined them yeah. no exactly and uh, that's you know another part where she you know faces up to to 355 where you know 355 is saying th- these dissidents you know they're cr- they're crazy uh, you know yeah. we get this really nice um uh sort of wall with graffiti on it you know with a whole rake of different things such as lies hoax mm. you know liar with a picture of jennifer brown uh you know that they're wanting answers uh you know with text with you know what you did this this whole idea that um 355 and indeed the jennifer brown administration and the people there in the pentagon that these are all sort of crazy weirdos and dissidents uh, and different factions Uh, and i I like that alison mann actually says but they believe that the government is hiding something from them as Mm -hmm. to what happened um and she says they're right pointing at yorick and so (laughs) that's that's not crazy yeah and she talks of her experience that you know every day there are secret um, you know, there are labs that are doing secret tests mm. um, around viruses, bacteria. Not to say conspiracy theories, theories, but I mean, it, it's the reason why, as public servants, you sign um, the the Secrets Act. Say, if you're in the UK, yeah, um, like there is 
things like GCHQ. There is a MI5 and an MI6. I mean, yeah. there is secrecy and of course. At, at the heart of government from yeah. a political and a security point of view. Yeah. As much as in business you have that from a, you know, intellectual property or, mm-hmm. or all these types of things that are um you know confidential in for in whatever way and to whatever degree so i liked her challenge to yeah. um to 355 as well because you know i think you can easily see things as black and white here um of you know the brand government trying to sort of bring society back rescue it, which they are and yeah. the distance just being against that or the like with it was all the men that dies, but just human men. And I think it's really nice seeing Alison Mann's conversations over the course of this episode really just widen and broaden and show the complexity of what's yeah. happening here. Really, really good. And that's one of the reasons why you do this as a TV show rather than as a as a single movie or something like that. You know, you you have to bring in all of these discussions into the show. And I think Dr. Mann is a really interesting character to do that. You know, you, you say that she's not a conspiracy theorist, but some of the things she's talking about are absolutely conspiracy theories. And she is saying, I'm standing here in front of the last man alive um, and the government knew about him. So therefore the government is hiding things from us yeah, and, absolutely and she's connecting those two dots together which is something that conspiracy theorists theorists do all the time they find one thing that they can latch onto and then say that's the proof of all the other conspiracy theories that we have um, so that's partly an element of, of dr man's character she's a very different character she's not a lovable sweet scientist that's going to jump on no. board the train here she's going to use what 355 is offering which is effectively the connection with the president she's saying to them you know i need to get to san francisco well you have a connection with the president let's get a plane and we can get there really quickly rather than walking there it's not that i'm joining your gang to do what the president wants us to, wants us to do <laughs> yeah. it's i want to continue my research that i've been working on for 15 years and i love the fact that some of that research isn't entirely legal and uh-huh. it's human cloning and the look on yorick's face you know this idea of multiple yorick's mm. uh, being produced here <laughs> i um, feel like I, there's a few people few watchers of the show that wouldn't be happy with that <laughs> I either i just thought that was really uh, just it, um, the the expression from Yorick was priceless mm-hmm. at that, and I think you know something you can tell is at the back of his mind he brings it up again uh, about being cloned. This idea that he, he you know it's some kind of you know dystopian uh, science fiction movie that he he's he remembers from you know watching a, a, as a kid or something around cloning. Uh, I thought was really really good. Mm. I think the other thing I really liked in this was that. You know, speaking of the different factions that are kind of um, doing tit for tat fighting uh, with the government, is that they actually have met that secret as well yeah. in um, what you know in in uh, one of their sort of safe houses. And um, whilst Yorick is sort of left by three fifty five, so she can scope out the area yep. and everything, and um, he goes in. He uses his his lock picking abilities mm-hmm. and, and escapology to get in there, and um, I, I like the fact that you know he has actually been seen. But it, in this case, she does believe that he is transgender, exactly, um, and tells him where he could go to get more testosterone. Yeah. Because her brother uh, is, is yeah. uh, in that community, effectively. So I think that makes logical sense at this stage. You know, we're a couple of months in now. So the chances of you feeling that you have a man standing in front of you are very low. So I like that she jumps to that 
conclusion. Yeah, definitely. Uh, makes, it makes a lot of sense. You know, we we give Yarrick a lot of criticism in the first couple of episodes for this idea that he'll run off at the drop of a hat uh, and that he'll make these stupid decisions to run away and, and put himself in danger where he can't be put in danger. In fairness to him in this episode, 355 basically gives him a box and tells him to sit on top of it with a, with a knife. And the reason he gets up and moves here is because he hears the fighting that's going on in the city. He hears the tear gas going off and he hears the grenades being thrown effectively. So he's absolutely right in this case, I think, oh, to take shelter inside. Definitely. He didn't know that it was going to be the, the home of where all of those, all those posters are being created effectively for, uh, the, the anti, uh, Jennifer Brown, uh, posters being created. I do wonder, which would be worse for him would, if he was found out as a man or if he was found out as being the child of Jennifer Brown? I don't know which would go worse for him. I would say it's just compounded. <laughs> the, I think both, know, of those, both of those yeah. are reasons that these people would have captured him and taken him prisoner. Definitely. Because he's very valuable to them as the, as the child of Jennifer Brown or as, uh, as the first uh, and only male Definitely. Yeah. I like that we see him do his uh, lock picking again to yeah. try and get into the union club where they think that Alison Mann is when they're tracking her down because of some great... Um, pictures of her <laughs> sort of taking a dump on the front steps yes. or possibly many times yeah uh, yes. um, I, I love the fact that this is probably somewhere where she has maybe tried to become a member exactly um, no, and has 100%. been excluded or it's a men only mm. uh club and so i i liked um i liked that she would go and take a dump on a steps or of uh, an institution like that yeah. to be honest um but he tries picking the lock there 355 is basically gives him a, a time limit. He says, well, give me, you know, <laughs> give me a minute. And she gives him 10 seconds mm -hmm. and she just keeps on counting down, you know, metronomically. And I love that he's like, oh, that's way too much pressure. And off you go. And, you know, bang, she blows out the lock. Yeah. And, and yeah, I do. Again, I feel a little bit sorry for Yark at this stage. She only really has a few, um, really good skills that he has and lock picking is absolutely a skill that he has it's something that he's learned how to do he knows how to do it um and this was his opportunity to impress 355 with his skill she didn't give enough time she didn't realize how difficult it was and it effectively uh lands on the gun and goes i'm going to shoot it off exactly and it was an opportunity if it had happened yeah. you know in future this will come into play yeah. or like i assume his lock picking skills will come into play and get them out of some sticky situations yeah. that's why and his escapeology i guess yeah absolutely but this is the first opportunity he's really had to show off and she's kind of going yeah i could do it easier with yeah. my gun basically and i guess to the point of the stabbing of yorick by uh allison man you mm -hmm. know when she's being given out to by 355 she said I just thought that the, you know the people that used a gun to open my door were possibly here to hurt me. <laughs> you know, you can't really argue with that yep. that reasoning. So, um, yeah, I, this for me was just great. Loved the interaction of these um, three yep. three characters. Absolutely. One of, one of the things I will give huge props. I think you know it'll be between Diana Bang, the writer of the episode, and and the director uh, for the episode. There's something really cool that they've done with how Dr. Man speaks and interacts with other people. I love that we have this moment, which would be, you know, if this was in uh, Independence Day, let's say, when 355 walks into the room and goes, the president has asked you to step up for your nation and come back with me to Washington to save the world, effectively. Um, if that would be done as a massive speech, it would be something that would be quoted and, and people would cut it out and, and show it as a clip. Yeah. In this case, because it's Dr. Man she's talking to, Dr. Man talks over the end of that sentence. She doesn't even let her finish. And she goes, yeah, I know what you want. And the answer is no. 
And when 355 is taken aback by being talked over, when she has this big delivery, a big, big speech, it's like the response from Dr. Mann is like, oh, I'm sorry. What I meant to say was, no, thank you. <laughs> you know, I love that. Yeah. And, and you know, all the way throughout the little bits in the background that are going on, again, from the director and, and the writer of the episode, little, there's little cues of who this character is. When Yarrick and, and Truford Fiber are exploring her apartment, you see the list of people who've won uh, the same prize as Alison Mann uh, listed on, on a board, like, like a plaque, effectively, that yeah. she was obviously given when she won this award. And every single one of them has a note over them uh, saying how much she hates them, effectively, and what's wrong with them, why she doesn't like them. So she has no time for the scientific community at all. She knows how good she is, and she knows she deserves everything she gets. All the penises drawing on pictures exactly the the men that formed this club that she's now taken over. Really good. Great little touches of who this character is. There was. And there's the moment as well where she's changing her top, and there looks as well to be some scars on on Mm -hmm. her belly, which I'm not entirely sure what they are, and I'm not entirely sure i remember from the comics okay okay but, there, um, there are some cues here from yeah. the comics and i'm, I'm not going to go into them of course you could probably guess there's a, there is something going on uh with the crib that was found in her apartment there is something there there's a story there that will come out uh possibly later in the show um but yeah that was that was a very uh that was a very interesting conversation and the way she turned back on yarrick where he's going uh, I saw the crib. I assumed she had a child, and she turns it back and I'm going. Men always like to talk about women to women about pregnancy and children. Well, you know that's a weird response to it. It seems like she just wanted to shut down the conversation. Yeah. So I think we might see more about that story in the future. Yeah, I I think so too. I think that was certainly a lingering um camera shot there mm-hmm. on, on those marks. Um, just one other point, really, just to draw from this is mm-hmm. you know a lot of intrigue for me with three fifty five. And she is uh, going to talk to the president to say that they've arrived safely in Boston. Um, and, uh, you know, the president is worrying because of the, the crashed helicopter being found. She thinks Yorick could be dead. Mm. But she purposefully breaks the satellite phone that she was going to call the president on. Yeah. You know, and she goes off on this other mission um, to um, the the address that she found in her um, her mailbox at the safe house um of her former sort of handler. Yes. And <laughs> interestingly then comes back and we don't know whether she has actually phoned the president um yet. I don't think she has. No, because, I don't think she has. Because we see the other side of the story and we and we we get the frustration of Jennifer that she hasn't had a phone call yeah, from exactly. from her and that there was never that was never resolved at all throughout the episode. It is interesting though that she was making the phone call, she was typing in the number and dialing digits, she presses the call button effectively. And then stops, hangs it up, and then breaks the phone. Um, so she had full intention and something changed in her mind. I think what, this is what I really like about 355 in this show and, and what I really like about Ashley Rowan's performance as 355 is she, you know there's every possibility playing out through her head and her performance, the way, the stillness of her. You know she's thinking about a lot of things, but it's inscrutable what it is exactly that has made her make these decisions. Um She's very close to this safe house that that she got the the details of to go to. So, of course, she was probably going, right, I also have to have this other mission, this side mission that I've been waiting for since I got the details and I need to go check it out. You need to go and see whether this this lead will play out for me on my own uh, journey. But because she hasn't shared that with anybody else, we don't know why she was there. We don't know what she was looking for. Uh, was she just looking for a commander above her to give her some real instructions rather than her following her intuition, which is where what's gotten her to this point? Um, was she trying to, like, you know, take a little bit of pressure off and go, okay, Grant, 
I'll find my handler, the person that was in control of me, the person that knows more about the yeah, culpa ring. the person ring. who recruited her. Exactly, the yeah. person that, that knows more about the culpa ring and, and can give me some guidance as to what I'm supposed to do because she's kind of been playing it off the cuff since uh, since everything happened. And we see another agent here, 525. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, the other part of me was, I just wonder whether 355 possibly sort of took out 525 as well i mean we don't know and we haven't seen but certainly (laughs) uh, what we do see um is that 355 does get her signature telescopic baton yes uh, from the comics uh, which is was really cool um to see i don't think this is a spoiler um just why it's her signature weapon i'm gonna i'm gonna say it i like the fact that she's effectively has this weapon because it's really iconic for her from the comics the reason she has it is because yarrick's uh kind of like terminator 2 uh john connor uh, yeah. and she's the terminator he's effectively said to her you can't use a gun on every single thing that you see you need to use this to kind of exactly. keep things quiet and not kill everybody or not have the potential to kill everybody in your way so uh so i love that she opens it up the way she does and, and has that really confident stance so you know there's a weapon she's used before many times absolutely and and, and i guess in a, in a sense, 355's mission, there's, a, there's a, a personal mission here in that, you know, she had to get to Boston. I guess she chose that because this house was close to Boston. So mm, she's, she's merging opportunities here. Oh, I like that. Yeah, she I chose think. Dr. Alison Mann from the list, yeah. didn't she? So, and, and, so I think yeah. there's, there's a personal mission going on with her. And, um, and we see this with 525 as well. Well, you know, we get a bit of um, background about how the Culper Ring... Um, uh, recruits here, and mm-hmm. that they were both well. At least we get five two fives, mm-hmm. uh, and she just assumes. And, and I guess you were the same that you know she's come from a broken family, yep. orphaned, and um, and has no one. Um, exactly. And so you know that you because your family becomes the culpa ring mm-hmm. effectively. So that you you know you you bring um, allegiance to that your organization in, in terms of recruiting from an early age. A, a, a bit like with the Black Widows, I guess ultimately. Yep. And no one um, to miss you if uh, if anything goes wrong. Yep. Um, all that kind of stuff. Be- speaking of Black Widows, that really did feel like the Natasha Romanoff and and Yolanda, her sister, uh, the battle that they had Definitely. in the kitchen and Black Widow. That was <laughs> the, it really like the the battle of. Two very uh, very good fighters together in the same room. Like we've seen three four five, we know how uh, how good she is as a fighter. So um, a really strong fight there, seeing her fight someone that is a, that is an equal. Effect. Yeah, I, I, it was it was a really good fight. Yeah, and I, and I think the other thing, you know, in the same way that I felt this was three fifty five trying to find out something about herself, and mm-hmm. um, then we also on the flip side of that. We see Jennifer suddenly kind of wondering, what is this organization, the Culper Ring? You know, who do I have protecting my son? Um, and I thought that was just a, a nice little sort of jolt uh, about this relationship of 355 and Yorick as well. Yeah, I really do like that. I really like that moment of Jennifer Brown going, hang on a second, this woman came into my office. I'd never seen her before. And she went, I'm from a super secret spy organization that you've never heard of, but you've signed off the budget on. And, you know, I, I, I report to you and I do everything for you. And then she brought back my son. And then I just sent him off with her without any checking any records because she told me <laughs> there are no records of me. Um, yeah, I, that's a really, really interesting moment. I'm I'm wondering for other viewers, again, people that haven't, uh, haven't read the comic books, 355 has been a central character. And I think a lot of people have pinned 
uh, their love of the show on 355. They're saying, you know, the, the, this is the one character that I love watching every single week. It's just a really exciting character. And now suddenly we have a little bit of shade thrown on her in a couple of different ways. The fact yeah. that she's not calling back in to Jennifer Brown to tell her her son's safe. The fact that she's gone off on this mission without telling anybody where she's gone and what she's doing. And she's going back to this odd, shady organization, the uh, the Culpa Ring. And now this question from Jennifer Brown, her, this, this president character that seemed pretty good for, at, at, uh, helping to save the people that are still alive. So she seems like a genuinely nice character, genuinely good character. And she's now throwing shade on the one character that everybody's loved since the start. Is this going to be a difficult transition for people to have? Um, is 355 a shady character for them? I'm wondering whether it's, whether it's going to put a little bit of a, a dark spot on, on 355 from now on? Well, it certainly brings in the intrigue. It, it yeah. certainly questions her motivations about what she's doing. I, I think, at the moment, I would say there's a personal motivation here because effectively with the, you know, a, a significant collapse in the membership of the Culpa Ring, uh-huh. certainly her previous safe house and handler, and then she has lost her family. That's her family being yeah. lost. She doesn't, I, I get the impression she would have a similar background to 525 and her mm-hmm. story. Yeah. And I think that's just being done by proxy here. Mm-hmm. To maintain that mystery of 355. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think, you know, it, it provide it just questions elements of it. At the moment, I feel it's more a personal side rather than she's suddenly going to turn against the presidency or even Yorick. But nonetheless, once or if she finds her recruiter, the, the person that's recruited them and, mm-hmm. and seemingly, you know, all the other female agents have kind of taken that cue, I guess, from their their own their safety deposit box or and personal items that they had. I guess that you know she and um, five two five has also had that address. Yeah. So, or she had she had some a clue to get her there. You know, the important yeah. thing at the moment is the recruiter isn't there, and so is where is the recruiter? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's she doing? And um, is she in fact still alive? And yeah. so I think there's a really uh, it, it just adds another layer of intrigue, but also yeah. complexity to this relationship of 355 to mm-hmm. Yorick, but also the president and the institution of the presidency. Yeah. So, I, yeah, it, it's, it was really good. And um, I wonder, does it add a little bit of extra complexity to the audience that they weren't expecting is the, is the, is the big question as well. So I wonder how, uh, I wonder how it's turned people around on the character, if it has at all, because it is, it is all shade here. And if, as far as I remember from the comic books, the moment when Jennifer Brown questions, who the hell have I put my son with? I think it's it yeah, was the it's end a- of an issue. Uh, and it went, you waited a month to find out the next part of the story. So luckily we don't have to wait uh, a month for the final. It is a great moment, though. I love that. I love that she confides with her um, assistant, Christine. Mm-hmm. I love that, you know, you get the coders to try and break it into those hard drives yeah. that 355 brought back. I'll worry about the I'll excuses the around story. it. Exactly. Um, let's find out what this organization is yeah. and what it does. Um, and so, yeah, I thought that was really sort of jolt moment for, for Jennifer yeah. Brown. Yeah. Uh, one last thing uh, on that moment with 355 as well, uh, just before they head off to San Francisco now and they're on the extended road trip, let's say, um, we do see that she's taken another locator device, one of the ones that was in the yes. safe house. So uh, we know that the way those work is that they pair up 
to each other. Um, so she's taken one, it's blinking. So she's going to either try and find the pair or someone that goes to that safe house will know that there's someone out there yeah. with this locator device potentially. So that's how they'll, they'll track each other. And then she reaches up and does something interesting. She reaches up and grabs her necklace and, and twists it in her hand. That's the necklace that she also picked out from that box. So I wonder is there greater significance of what that necklace is? It's just, it seemed like a very simple necklace, a very plain necklace when she took it out, but it's just because it was in the same box that she got the um, address for this location. Yeah. Uh, I wonder is there something else in there as well? I guess so. There you go. Uh, we've already talked a little bit about uh, about Jennifer Brown and her side of the story. That's that's my big point for the episode is what's going on in the White House because it's a big story. Uh, you know, we mentioned before this this stuff was something that you checked in on maybe once every six or seven months about what's going on at the highest levels of office in in Washington. Effectively, when you're reading the comic books, I love that it's become a bigger part of the story. I really like what's going on. I like the fact that there is um, President Brown who's who's effectively been pushed into this role. And now we have someone that nobody wants to become president, John Oliver, <laughs> arriving back. There's a few people that do want her president, but the terror that's been going through the uh, the women who've all been working together to sort out uh, the what's been going on in America, and they're all going, well, that's not going to be what she will want to do. What John Oliver wants to do is, be, is get in power and enforce her beliefs on everybody and enforce the things she wants to do, a position she never would have got in in the previous administration because she was pushed into <laughs> yeah, a minor ex- role. Exactly. I mean, I have to say, though, I think the arrival of Secretary Regina Oliver, mm-hmm. I really, really loved. I mean, what swagger. I mean, even though she was in a wheelchair, yep. because she's still kind of recovering from uh, her injuries, uh-huh. it felt like, you know, I'm good or I'm confident and I know it, like real arrogance. Oh, yeah. You know, almost a super... A superstar swagger with the shades on arriving in the Pentagon. Yep. Um, you know, effectively asking the president, have you got any food? Oh, sending um, the president off to get her food. Which was really interesting. Really, yeah. Kind of knowing, though, I think the predicament that, that she's in, that Jennifer will and I, I, you know, has made clear that she is retaining the presidency here. Mm. Um, and just the, the same, not necessarily. I, th- I think she's kind of said to her, that's something that we could discuss another time. Yeah. We've got a lot of things to talk about, a lot of things but to But she hasn't age. brought it up. Yeah, like, absolutely. Well, it's almost stating it by not mentioning it. Yeah. And I, I, Trying to avoid you know, the conversation, as you do when you don't want to But like with Kimberly as well, just believing that, um, you know, well, the president, former president, um, you know, was voted in on a landslide and we still get a socialist. And I love yeah. the fact that actually what she'll be describing as a socialist in Jennifer Brown and, you know, possibly calling her a communist in future episodes is just probably so unlike that term in this, but in the sense that she is actually just trying to have be helpful and to pull everyone together. Well, that's what I was going to ask. That was kind of my question from that conversation, from that discussion. I know Regina Oliver does not want Jennifer Brown and never would want someone like Jennifer Brown as president in normal times, right? I get, I totally get that. I get that they would have this argument on the floor of the house when there is 200 representatives around them. If the two of them got into an argument, that would be the argument. You're a socialist. I'm a Republican or I'm a capitalist. I, I get that. But we're now in a world where people are dying because they don't have enough food. Is it socialism to feed those people and to create camps and help those people out? No. I, I've never understood that perspective that socialism is helping people out. I, I just don't get it. And I know there are people that have that, that idea, but I just don't understand what 
Regina Oliver thinks she would have done differently if she was in the position of power. I think it's the idea of society and, and community. And I mean, I, we, I think you get the impression here that even Kimberly probably said that, you know, they talk about their disagreements previously mm. and that <laughs> yeah. even Kimberly has said she was strident. We know that she was fringe. Yeah. So she's probably hugely ideological and that it's more about... Um, you know, you know, it's it, it's like in the UK with Margaret Thatcher. It's you yes. know, society is dead. It's all about the individual and and individualism um, and the ability for individuals. Uh, so I, I mm. guess there's a combination of all of that sort of uh, locked away in um, uh, Regina Oliver. Yeah. Uh, and I I guess though the idea that she's a fanatic, she's strident. Um, she is that she's just got an ideology. Uh, I guess we've seen that with the pandemic, people's ideology about yep. whether you wear a face mask or not, or even take a vaccine, or mm-hmm. even stand two meters apart. For some people, that control or that perception of control against their own freedoms, however they um, rationalize it or, or think it through, mm-hmm. is they are the polar opposite. And so it, it's almost, I think, I the, the sense I get is that Regina... It doesn't matter that we're in an apocalypse. Yeah. Her views are her views, and that's what—that's how you run it. Yeah, but even I'm, if it doesn't make sense for the situation. But I'm trying to run it through my mind as to what she would do in this circumstance. Do you think she'd be going for a survival of the fittest attitude? We're not—we're a central government. We're not supposed to get involved in your lives, so you guys deal with it yourselves I th- and see who survives after it. Potentially, kind of and I guess that she wouldn't be using tear gas on the 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 factions or the dissidents mm. in Boston. There'd be no rubber bullets. There. No, yeah. it, it wouldn't be tear gas and it wouldn't be rubber bullets. Yeah. It would be, um, you know, there would be a supremacy side of the state. And I guess then it would be, you know, why are we doing this? Just, yeah. uh, but it, 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 we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I think that's I think the interesting might... thing here. We'll see how these two um, sort of come to blows mm. uh, in, in that sense. Yeah. I want to point out something else, because I don't think I've pointed out in the podcast. Please, uh, apologies if I have pointed this out in the podcast. But there is a possibility that Jennifer Brown is, in fact, the real president of the US, correctly voted in. There's a mention in the third episode, I think it is, when Yorick is finally meets his, his mother and gets the explanation of what she is and where she is, that she became Speaker of the House and then became president. And in order to do that, she got promoted to there while they were searching for someone that could be alive and take over the presidency, and then got promoted into the president's seat when they realized there is nobody else to take over that position. So technically, the standing government have decided that she is the one to lead the country, right? Now, Regina Oliver has come back, and she has a claim on that throne, I will say. (laughs) So there is a claim there, but technical process is she's moved up through the ranks. Jennifer Brown has moved up through the ranks and gone into the position of president. So I wonder, is there an argument there? They'll have to look through the Constitution. I don't know whether we have time for that in a show about the apocalypse. (laughs) Um, But um, I wonder, does she have to be impeached to lose the position of president and put Regina Oliver in there? Or is that the argument that they're going to have potentially later on in the series? Because I don't think um, a lot of people want Regina Oliver to just swagger in there and take over the seat just because she was next in line in some really distant list that nobody thought possible. Well, I get the sense that the cabinet, as it's construed at the moment, Mm. doesn't want that either. So I guess it will be this, you know, 
politics is power, so it'll be mm. the power play. And we've seen Kimberly sort of lining herself up. Absolutely. Um, whether whether it's about trying to get leverage over Jennifer yeah. or... Um, like in this episode with uh, Christine, mm-hmm. uh, but also um, it's you know, you know the wink, wink, nudge, nudge to Regina, which is you know we need to stick together, yeah, uh, and recruiting people of like mind, and yeah. um, so and Kimberly already has a good army of people behind her, yeah, absolutely. Uh, as well, remember that don't feel that just because uh, those women were in specific positions of power that they have any more right to the wives of. Uh, senators that were in the Republican administration when uh, when this whole thing went down. So uh, so there's a good old uh, battle going to be going on in Washington. I'm, I'm really intrigued by that. And it's something, as I say, it's not as detailed in the comics. It's there. It's in the background, but it's not as detailed in the comics. And it's something that I do really like. I do like political intrigue uh, in TV shows and, and movies. And I think they're doing it really well. And I do think uh, Diane Lane is playing it so well in the show. Uh, the fact that she's dealing with the family side of things, you know, that, that moment when she's being told the helicopters are going down and you see her under the table holding the hand of Christine, who's calming yeah. her down. And above the table, she has to show as if she doesn't know anything different other than two pilots still helicopters. Yeah. So I love that she's playing that. I love that she breaks down in her room. Um, how she plays that is really interesting. The fact that she thinks uh, Yarick's gone. And then outside, she's dealing with this threat to her presidency effectively and she believes she's the right person for the job because she's doing with the team around her they're all doing everything they can to help the people that are that are suffering out in the world and she knows if if Regina Oliver gets in there that's just her gaining power effectively um I do want to talk about Christine a little bit in this episode because I think this is throwing up uh, another quite controversial quite difficult topic to talk about this show is definitely not shying away from difficult topics and and difficult ideals but we have Christine effectively confirming that she's pregnant um, yeah. in this episode. It's 12 weeks now, uh, three months since the apocalypse started. So uh, we think it might have been the guy that she went on a date with um, on, that, on that first night when she yes. went out, yeah. uh, the date to pick up the dry cleaning for, uh, for Jennifer Brown. Uh, I think it might be uh, it, that might be the father. Um, but the difficult part of this is, number one, that the only other person that knows about it is the doctor and, uh, and Kimberly. They're the, they're the people that, that know about it. Kimberly's one person you don't want to have that information in the hands of. Um, the fact there hasn't been that many births since uh, since the apocalypse began, effectively, since this this nightmare scenario happened, especially in a, an environment in the uh, in the in the White House or in the Pentagon, um, the Doctor hasn't seen any of this. So I love how the Doctor plays this moment. Yeah, it's really good. But you also feel, even though Kimberly's saying this absolutely stays between us, this is a a very private situation. I wonder if what will change that situation. I wonder what will make that an escalated situation. And I think the clue is in Christine's response to being told that she's 12 weeks pregnant. Yeah. Where she's told, you're having a girl. And she says, I'm not having uh, anything. So it feels like she doesn't want to be pregnant. She um, she was a career person when she was going in there. She was dating. But it seems like this pregnancy has taken her completely unawares. And in another society, she may not have kept this this child or this this pregnancy um, she may have terminated it in another uh, another world in the in the normal world pre apocalypse and now she's stuck in this situation so i wonder again we've got someone like kimberly who is very strong republican with those with those kind of beliefs probably very anti abortion given uh, the kind of society that they're in here and i wonder will that raise its head when christine may choose not to give birth well that's it i mean i think this will be really interesting to see because i mean you know when when christine has the the moment where she is bleeding and um she just says to kimberly um 
could you try and blackmail me another time? You know, oh, yeah. uh, uh, because it, it's to what extent is, is Kimberly, you know, how is she going to leverage this over Christine um, in order to get to Jennifer? Or will it become this rallying crime moment of, uh, you know, what Christine um, wants for herself um, at, at this moment mm-hmm. uh, and maybe other elements connected around this and, and what Kimberly wants to use it for. And I think that will be the interesting thing moving forward here because, you know, this is very early days as to what's happened. Um, but you get that sense when they pass on the corridor and it's all smiles from Christine to Kimberly, but she knows um, that the last person she wants to know about this is Kimberly and you see her face drop as she walks away. Yeah. And as they pass on, on the corridor. Yeah. So, and you yeah, know that- again, this will be a really interesting side of this this story because as well i guess everything in the pentagon at the moment is quite claustrophobic Absolutely. as well so yeah. it, it's at this it's this pressure box um uh, beginning to 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 gain more pressure yeah. yeah absolutely and you can see with christine she can't exactly reach out to jennifer and tell her what's going on uh, she can't tell jennifer that she's pregnant because jennifer's going through everything else that's happening she's being challenged for the presidency and thinks that she's lost her child and um, so you see her coming into the room and having to deal with the president breaking down effectively yeah. and dealing with her problem while christine's going through this really difficult time as well so uh, i think this is all really interesting storytelling and I'm, I'm intrigued to see how it plays out in the rest of the show uh, that was my major point i don't think anything else uh, anything else on that uh, on, on what was going on nope. in the pentagon um anything else on, on the episode john you no want to no about? notes from me what about yourself only one note uh just thought it was quite cute and wanted to mention it just uh when Yarrick is in um, looking around at the uh, printing press and all the all the stuff, the, the material about his mother and about, about the government, I love that he goes through all the uh, all the letters and everything and picks up a little ampersand. Yeah, that was cool. And puts it in his pocket because he's kind of going, oh, my little ampersand, uh, my little pet. I've got a little stamp now that, that I can use uh, in future. So I, thought, I just thought it was a little cute, uh, cute touch that was in there. Yeah, that was really good. But Derek, uh, with that, with the roundup, what did you think of this episode of Why the Last Man? Overall, I love this episode. You know, there's, there's better episodes so far in the season. You know, the, obviously the, the massive explosion that went down in, in episode one and at the end of the world that was going on. That was great. The, the initial setup of the show has been really interesting for me. I've enjoyed pretty much every episode so far in, in greater depth. But this is the comic book. This is exactly what I was hoping for when I uh, signed on to, to watch Why the Last Man. So to me, this is pretty much perfect. Um, we're setting off. On their road trip with our with our with our gang now with our main four characters and see what they get into and and I love that they've set up they're traveling from Boston to San Francisco that's a massive trek that they're going to be going on across the country and hopefully meeting some really interesting uh, new societies uh, across the country uh, it's a shame we're we're not seeing some of the other characters this episode but that's the whole point of this ensemble show we won't get to see them every week and yeah then, absolutely um, we'll see bigger chunks of their adventure if we do that as well so I think this one. Uh, just nailed exactly what I wanted from the show. Uh, so I'm I, I'm really up on this one. How about yourself, John? What do you think of it overall? Yeah, I really like this episode. Um, I would give this four and a half tuna sandwich jokes out of five. <laughs> yeah, I, I just really enjoyed um, Dr. Man, uh-huh. 355, Yorick, Ampersand, all coming together. I love the sort of little side quest from, from 355 yeah. and what that means and, and just that that immediate moment of, you know, maybe her own personal mission here, but also um, that the president is now concerned about who she's actually 
given the protection of her son to. So I, that was really good. I love that Alison Mann just, uh, you know, brings this kind of researcher sort of view of this world and, you know, she broadens the mind for Yorick here. So I, I really enjoyed this uh, an awful lot. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, the slow build of this show, I actually am really enjoying. Yeah. I think earlier on, I think it, it's tough with slow builds because you can go, I don't know where that episode is going, but I think you can see this pressure pot rising, mm-hmm. both in terms of the 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 foursome that's about to head off to, to San Francisco and yeah. um, whether it's an internal pressure of 355, you know, cause you see her looking, you know, fiddling with her necklace kind yeah. of going through things in her mind. It's almost like she's agitated in some way mm-hmm. and who's best to further agitated probably than how Yorick <laughs> behaves. That's true. And, um, and the pressure of what's going on in the Pentagon. Yeah. Now that you've got the arrival of Regina Oliver mm-hmm. uh, as this sort of, a direct challenge to um Jennifer Brown's presidency but also with the you know the political power machinations going on between all these players you know it is a chess game yeah. uh, and so it'll be interesting how that builds and um, so yeah I really uh, really enjoyed uh, this episode of, of why the last man and would give it 4.5 tuna sandwich jokes out of 5 oh excellent up a point 5 I think there uh, over the course of your discussion chad yes good. i did <laughs> very good uh yeah i think this just long long form storytelling with a definitive ending is what we have at why the last man which i really like you know the fact they're spending some extra time with characters than you would if it was just a movie or just a, a one series event or something like that we're actually getting some real time uh with the characters which i'm really enjoying um thank you so much fellow survivors for joining us for our discussion about why the last man we'll get on to some feedback um from you in a mo uh, but just to say if you do want to support the podcast and support what we do here you can go over to patreon.com slash tv Podcast industries support us for any amount monthly uh, and we will give you a huge thank you of course on the podcast uh, you can also uh, support us by going to buymeacoffee.com slash tvpi uh, and buy me a coffee to edit all the podcasting goodness that's been coming out here uh, but another great way to support us is sharing the podcast uh, can't stress enough sharing the podcast with other people and, and the people that follow you on your social accounts uh, does get the podcast out there and we'd love to have even more fellow survivors absolutely any which way you wish to support us is fantastic mm-hmm. and very, very much appreciated from all of us here uh, on TV Podcast Industries. Um, but I think with that, let us get on with our feedback. Yep. Yes. Um, first off, we got an email through feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com from Bart McKendry uh, in Canada. John, Chris and Derek, I enjoy listening to your reviews of Why the Last Man. I am trying to decide if this show is for me. I've watched four episodes now. I am concerned that this show is too much drama and too little sci-fi. I am a post-apocalypse genre fan. Some of my favorite movies are Mad Max, I Am Legend, and The Postman. Mm -hmm. TV shows like The 100, The Last Ship, Revolution. I enjoy solving the mystery of what happened, lessons of survival, and resource management. I'm having a hard time believing some of the details of the event that killed almost all male mammals with the Y chromosome. Most strange is the timing of the event. Nothing should spread that fast. Mm. Even the speed of sound takes 12 hours to cover the Earth. If the event started in Israel, it would take six hours to reach Washington, D.C., 
We saw animals dying in Oklahoma and New York the previous day. So why didn't some humans fall at the same time? Why didn't massive animal death trigger security procedures for the line of succession? We have men isolated all over the world under various degrees of isolation. Did the men on the International Space Station survive? Submarine crews? Arctic research stations? Why did Yorick survive? I suspect it has something to do with ampersand. The monkey is also male, and every time someone goes near him, they are warned that he bites. Mm -hmm. Was Yorick bitten? Could that have transferred whatever is protecting ampersand to Yorick? Should we be prepared for Yorick to develop amazing monkey powers? (laughs) Is the name of the series misleading? Maybe it should have been called Ampersand, the last male monkey. The science of the event is hard to believe. This leads me to the possibility that this story is not real. It might just be a dream or divine intervention. Many of us have been disappointed by an ending like Lost. I hope this is not the case with Why the Last Man. Finally, I just have one question. Um... As the show is 99% women, uh, why am I listening to a podcast hosted by three men? Did you consider including a female voice in your show? Bart McKendry. Well, thank you so much for the feedback, Bart. Um, I think only you can uh, actually answer the question as to why you're listening to a podcast (laughs) hosted by three men uh, on a show uh, that is 99% women. I think that is all we can say uh, on that. But I think uh, it's great that you are enjoying our coverage, for sure. Well, yes, but uh, there is a a really simple explanation. Why the Last Man is just one of the uh, 60-odd shows that we've covered on TV Podcast Industries. And TV Podcast Industries has been around for six years with uh, myself chris uh, and john and uh, and also with uh, with one other host uh, irene who used to be on the show uh, many years ago like four four or five years ago uh, because of the amount of shows that we cover it's almost impossible for us to get someone else that can fit in with the timings of recording that we do we record about twice a week so uh, we've been really lucky to have chris on um as much as he is but myself and john are here almost every episode uh, throughout that time but getting a fourth person and adding them in and, and making sure that they're available all the time is, is quite difficult but luckily we do have our wonderful fellow survivors who do send us in their thoughts uh, from across the globe uh, and their experiences which add to our discussions about the show as yeah, well absolutely uh, absolutely so thanks so much Bart for choosing us uh, to listen to about your Why the Last Man about Why the Last Man show um, it is a drama absolutely we've, we've, we have uh, said that before that it is very much a story and a tale about how these characters experience the world post-apocalypse so I'm not sure whether there will be a huge amount of sci-fi in the show, but you are on track of some of the things that will that may happen in the show. I'm certainly not going to go into spoilers for what does happen in the show. There Absolutely. are elements of what you said in your email that that are explored as the show goes on. Um, I uh, think some very specific yeah. ones. <laughs> I, I think certainly some of uh, the questions that you raise will be answered here, yeah. or I, certainly I, I hope they will be in the show. Absolutely, uh, for sure. Um, certainly, um, yes. What did happen to all these Arctic research stations, or submarines, or even um, sort of the International Space Station? Yeah. For sure. Yeah, like if it's an airborne virus and everybody's in, and people are are in an enclosed environment, a sealed environment, well, with no new air coming. We, and maybe that yeah. might be something. We don't even know if it was a virus. Um, this, they have gone to a geneticist, yep. uh, not a virologist. Uh, so again, it may not even be a, a virus yep. um, as such. We so don't know yet. But this, is the, this is the journey that we're on, yep. I guess, in, in finding that out. But the good news, I'll definitely say this, this is definitely not a spoiler. The good news is there is an end. There is a story that, that, that can be told. There's a number of different ways it could play out, but this is not going to be 
it's a dream. It's not real. Um, so the bits that you're putting together from the information that you have, it's a good shout. You have, you have some uh, ideas in there and some uh, approaches to what might have happened, but they haven't given us enough information and there will be more information, I believe, to come in the show. And if it doesn't come in the show, if something horrible happens, like it gets cancelled after season four and they haven't finished it, the comic books are out there. There's only 60 of them and they do give the explanation of, wh- of how everything happened uh, to lead up to the apocalypse, at least in the comic book version. So I'm sure they'll have a version of that in the show. Yeah. It's not a dream. Uh, I definitely want to say that. Well, <laughs> just yeah, like I it, hope not. Yeah, Just like it lost, it wasn't that they were in uh, purgatory for the entire time. All oh. that stuff happened. That was all after the stories happened. So that isn't the, uh, <laughs> it isn't the same. There is Bart, no you have yeah. triggered him with loss. <laughs> no you, I, triggering. I, I will have to calm him down. I'll have to calm him down. No triggering at all. Um, but, but thanks, Bart. Yeah, thanks so much, Bart, for, for your feedback. Back. We also have another email. Absolutely, yes. Uh, Victor Van Doon got in contact with us to say, Greetings, survivors. Dr. Man is a real pistol. Almost nuttier than why. <laughs> the brown kids are very disappointing. Are they parental failure- failures or just spoilt brats? Perhaps a bit of both? They would not last long in a particular zombie series, The Walking Dead. Casting found an actor almost as gruesome as President Number 45. Trouble is a-coming. I do not envy Jennifer's position. How can a constitutional workaround prevent someone dangerous taking office? I have totally fallen for Agent 355. That 355 versus 525 battle and subsequent discussion was awesome and enlightening. But why did she break the satellite phone? Was it a ruse to find her mentor? I would like to hear the tuna sandwich joke, but knowing why, maybe not. It's Kim's compassion for Christine's pregnancy, genuine or a ploy. Keep the faith, survivors. Victor Von Doom. Loads of great uh, great points there, uh, Victor. I think we talked about a lot, uh, uh, bits bits anyway, of, uh, of what you're talking about there. The sam- this tuna sandwich joke, I wonder, will that be similar to the uh, the joke that went all the way throughout all the seasons of Game of Thrones that we never <laughs> uh, got to hear the joke itself? Uh, but you never know. They're, they're going to be on the road for quite a while, so uh, that joke may be uh, deployed again in the future. Absolutely. Thanks uh, so much, uh, Victor. I'm really uh, pleased as well that you... Um, Think that uh, Alison is al- almost nuttier than why I, I think so too. <laughs> yeah, and I think yes, trouble is a brewing with Regina Oliver's uh, swagger-like entrance yeah. uh, into the Pentagon, and with Kimberly's compassion uh, in inverted commas for uh, for Christine as well. I think there's trouble coming there too. Yeah, I also don't think your own and your arc would survive very long in, in The Walking Dead uh, no. if there was zombies coming after them. Yeah, definitely not. And I think you're right. I think you you're talking about. Um, 355's mentor and I was calling her the recruiter and I think she was both so I I think mentor is also you know why that she has done that and I kind of have the same question you know did she break the sat phone just so she could go to that house um or was there something else because it it seems strange um that she would get rid of that communication device like that doesn't seem particularly sensible but again i think there's a lot of intrigue here with 355 so yeah great stuff victor uh thanks so so much uh for for your thoughts on that we also got some feedback over on our facebook group Mm -hmm. Uh, please head on over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV podcast industries. Uh, first up was Dr. Bob Phillips on episode four. Road trips were more fun when there were fried tomatoes and convertibles. Mm-hmm. This is getting richer and flavorsome with each episode. A bit like Chris, I stalled a little after episode two, but I'm now unable to guess where this is going to end up, but it has to be good. Mm-hmm. Hero, Sam, 
and a burst of dysphoria, the freaky robot cat, <laughs> the way Yorick is such an awful, awful choice. Yep. His insipid, privileged, self-centered null, not evil, but not good and not really neutral either. Really, really intriguing. Um, yeah, thanks so much, Bob, uh, for that. It, it, it is. Yorick is just, you know, it is, why is he the last man? Yep. Uh, he is, you know, just, I, I think, yes, that, that centered <laughs> null is a really good description uh, of him. Thanks, uh, for Dr. sure. Bob. Yep. Thanks so much, Dr. Bob. Yeah, thanks, Dr. Bob. Uh, Joe Stanley says, this episode did a lot to make me like Yark. I think I'm just going to have to accept that Y is going to be an absolute idiot and make dumb decisions, not unlike some men I know, but at least he was showing some compassion this week. But this episode did also lower my opinion of Agent 355. She's played as boss level badass and she got snuck on twice. Not a great look. <laughs> thanks, Joe. Yeah, thanks so much, Joe. Selima Kisler says, this is certainly shaping up to be the cross-country adventure Derek mentioned in the last podcast. Mm -hmm. 355 seems to have her own agenda, wondering what her angle is. Pretty cool getting to meet one of her colleagues and getting a touch of backstory on the organization. That scene looked a lot like Natasha meeting Yelena in Black Widow. Yep. This episode also confirmed what I was thinking regarding Ampersand's inclusion on the adventure. My first thought was, why are they bringing this freaking monkey with them? But then I thought the geneticist may want to check him out too, which appears to be the case. A great introduction of Dr. Man, and wow, Christine is pregnant, as if this show needed more going on. I also appreciated the mention of the search for the 2013 Boston Marathon bomber. Mm. I was in Boston for that, and it really was as wild as described here, though it seemingly would pale in comparison to what's going on in this version of the world now. Thanks so much, Salim, uh, for the feedback. Uh, yes, I think the, the cross-country adventure um, is about to take place. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, isn't it? Where, where is this going? Because all of a sudden, you know, two of the main characters are heading to San Francisco, not just simply returning back to Washington, D.C., or staying in Boston. And um, so it, it's a really, you know, it, it does chuck in uh, a, a few kind of uh, firecrackers into where it can absolutely. go uh, and how it can be looked at. Yeah, absolutely. It must have been awful to be in uh, in Boston for the Boston Marathon bombing. Like I do, I remember the coverage that we had on TV of, uh, of police and all the streets and the and everything locked down uh, during that period. But uh, but I'd say to be there must have been really really tough uh, experience. Anyway, uh, glad they were caught. Um, thanks so much for your feedback, Salim, and thanks everybody that sent in feedback to us yeah, for this episode. Absolutely. Once again, if you want to send in feedback to us, you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. You can go over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries or if you want to send us a voicemail, you can record a voicemail and send it into the same email address, or you can go to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com and record up to 90 seconds of your thoughts on any of the shows that we're covering. And someone who did send in a voicemail to us with their thoughts of the episode is Mr. Steve Brown, who sent in his live Steve for episode five of Why the Last Man. Hello, TV Podcast Industries. This is Steve, and this is Why the Last Man, episode five. Wow, that's pretty telling right there how racism as American as baseball. I, yeah, you're a dark spirit, Boston. I love that she gave him a knife, told him to stay put, put your mask down. How many times she going to say, put your mask down? Okay, I can tell you that's actually pretty accurate for military. If you have the bearing and you have the words, you can talk your way through just about anything. 
especially if they're young and dumb. Oh, yeah, don't tell me that he found Dr. Man by accident in this in this building here. Maybe not. I don't remember if they had a picture of her or not. Oh, nice. She can tell that he's transgender or male or as he's pre pretended to be before. So he can take his mask off with her. No, it of course is a power grab, Miss, Mrs. President, Madam President. Because Madam President would it be? Yeah, yeah. It absolutely is a power grab. I love that York is obsessing about this whole TV thing. All right, don't tell me that we're to believe that Agent 355 does not know how to pick a lock. That she's going to have Yurik do it for her. People have got me started to noticing music more and more. And this music right now, while they're entering this this Union Club of Boston, this it's real tense and it's I love what it's doing to me. Well, I guess I know where the series is going next. We're moving on road trip to San Francisco. I love this actress. I She was on Resident Alien, the one playing Dr. Man. Great. And she's a conspiracy nut job. And now Yurik's going to tell us a joke. I can't wait to hear this. Did she just break that antenna? I'm pretty sure she did. Oh, Agent 355 seems to have met someone equally skilled. Is this another agent? Not, not, not to, to explain about guns too much, but you took the magazines out, but you didn't empty the chambers, so there's still a bullet in those guns. Okay, another moment of explaining. I have one of those collapsible batons, and to close it with the palm of your hand is double tough. I'm sure it was a prop, but still. Ooh, yeah, I can't do it. Oh, she lost someone who was trans. I'm, I'm sorry, this is the whole scene with Dr. Mann and Yorick. So she's carrying a locator. Okay, uh, I'm sorry. Can't wait to hear you guys talk about this one. Talk to you later. Thanks so much, Steve. The roller coaster ride of the live, Steve. Uh, yeah, it's a great fun uh, hearing that. Uh, really, really interesting getting your perspective. Of course, having having been in the army and and, uh, and your perspective on on some of the elements that are going on there. I love the idea that, you, that as long as you got your bearing and as long as you have confidence enough, you pretty much get uh, through any any uh, any group, especially if they're young. <laughs> really good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, thanks, Steve. Um, yeah, I thought there were probably still. Um, a, a bullet in the in the chamber. Yep. Uh, as well. Um, because yeah, that whole then you click the to get the the final bullet out of the chamber. Yeah. And I was wondering, um, you know, whether um with three fifty five coming back to the Union Club there to go on, you know, and begin the the authorization, I guess, of the San Francisco road trip. Um, <laughs> there, uh, whether yeah. she has left, um. Agent five two five alive. In mm -hmm. fact, so uh, five two five's alive. Five two five's alive, <laughs> or not? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Also, yeah, I didn't mention the music in the episode either, but that that music that they used did sound like the uh, the composer for this episode has chosen some. Uh, things that are going on in the scene to use as the music and here it sounded like it was chopper blades that were forming the music for uh, for that really tense scene and because this part of the episode at least was talking about the crash the, the helicopter crash of course uh, i was wondering whether it was just being connected in there but i am certainly not an expert very on the music. good um, yeah i like it and steve yes signature weapon for um for a 355 is her baton so um it's cool to see her do something that is really difficult. And I love you saying that it would be almost impossible to do even for you. So, uh, so it is really difficult, but it is like her, her, um, her signature weapon, her superhero weapon, let's say. <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks so much, Steve. Yeah. Uh, for, for your, um, 
feedback and uh, live review uh, mm-hmm. of episode five of Why the Last Man. Yep. Um, thank you so much, fellow survivors, uh, for joining us for this episode. We will, of course, be back with Why the Last Man Episode 6, Weird Al is Dead, uh, next week. And of course, we're also covering Marvel's What If as well, uh, weekly. And we will be looking at the ninth and final episode of the first series of Marvel's What If, uh, next week as well. Yes, so please, uh, join us, uh, for our discussions around everything why and around everything what if absolutely absolutely we've been really uh, glad to have all of you on board and great to hear all your thoughts and feedback throughout uh, both of those shows uh, looking forward to episode six of why the last man next week and the finale of uh, of what if thanks so much for joining us talk to yeah. you again soon yeah thanks so much fellow survivors remember keep watching keep listening and keep surviving bye bye <laughs>